consider our ways. If we go up to the mountain, bring down the timber and build his house, we'll begin to see the blessing of God. So I don't know about you, but the series on Haggai the past three weeks, can you guys believe we're in our fourth week of two services, by the way? This is awesome. God is doing great things. Can we just thank God? You know, and before we get into the message, I was just uh, um, praying, and I looked back, and Amy, I see you're here for the fifth straight week, and uh, we invited you to the Christmas service, and it's been awesome to see you coming, and I believe that the song we sang, Like a Flood, We Receive His Love, that there's a cloud over your life, and as you continue to come and trust God in your family, in your work, you're going to begin to see God move, and I just felt an impression as we were sitting there to encourage you, especially this morning. So we love you, and we're glad you're here, and welcome to the GPC family. So this morning, I want to talk about uh, revision. Aren't you thankful when, uh, I don't know about you, but throughout college, or if you've ever done any kind of work, there's usually a revision process. You uh, write papers, or you submit work, or there's the draft process where you go back and forth, you allow your professor or the contractor to write things up and do revisions because you want to get it just right. Well, God's good with us that uh, when we ask him for his vision in our family, his vision for our finances, his vision uh, in our marriages, in our workplace, in every part, we want to be walking in the vision of God. Do you agree with that? You want the vision of God for your life. So this morning, I want to look at a story that we know, but recently came across an interesting perspective of it that I believe is going to kind of bring some new light to it. But first, before we get into the story, I want to share a couple of scriptures with you that just share the importance of having vision in our lives. Look at Proverbs 29, 18. It says, but when people do not accept divine guidance, I love how the NLT says it, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Whoever does not accept divine guidance. Other translations say that uh, when you don't have vision for you, your life, it's like you're throwing off restraint. But we know that when we obey God and, and we consider our ways, we say the time is now that his laws, his ways become joyful in our life. And we know scripture also says that the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. And so this morning, I want to look at a man who had an incredibly strong uh, body. He had an incredibly strong uh, way about him, but had a dangerously weak will. And that man goes by the name of Samson. And I've preached a series on Samson before, but some new truth just began to, to really come out at me as I was reading it. I want to look at three scriptures in the book of Judges 15, where it talks of Samson. And then I just want to take some time and just really encourage you as we've crossed over four weeks in, or three weeks in to 2018, and that wherever you find yourself and going after God's vision for your life, that you would allow some revisions to happen this morning, this week. You know, we just had our, our fasting refocus. Anybody receive anything from God this week as you were fasting, as you were putting things down? We talked of last week that when we approach God, when we give him our physical obedience, spiritual power is released in our lives. It was incredible, our fasting night of worship. I had several texts come in of 
of some things where transformation was happening in several people's lives that were sitting here in the room and were feeling strongholds that were in their lives begin to break here in this room. That's amazing. That's the power of God coming and touching. But the thing is, when we experience God, he, I feel like we're now at a place as we went through Haggai, the, the foundation has been cleared, and now we can begin to build. We can begin to say, okay, God, I want to present myself this year as a living sacrifice. I don't want to wait till 2019 to accomplish what I felt you've put in my heart to accomplish or what he's put in your heart to accomplish. So let's look at, at Samson. Judges 15, verse 1, it says, Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her. But her father wouldn't let him in. Verse 2 says, I truly thought you must hate her, the father said. So I gave her in marriage to your best man. It's getting sticky right here. But he says, but look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Now, what we're about to read here and what we're about to see is Samson's response is, I believe, and as you look at commentary and you study, what set Samson's vision for his life not so good. He says, well, if this is what's happened, then this time I cannot be blamed for everything that I am going to do to you Philistines. So we know, if you know anything about the story of Samson, is there was an incredible call upon Samson's life. You go and you read in, in Judges 13 and 14, you'll see when an angel had visited Samson's parents and put divine guidance and instruction saying, this is how you're to raise Samson. This is going to be his call and his purpose on the earth. How many of you know we all have purpose and divine calling in our lives? It's up to us to dig in it and get into it and figure it out. So Samson's parents had this angelic visit, and one of the biggest instructions that uh, Samson, the angel had given the parents to raise Samson was to raise him in a Nazarite vow, which meant that he wasn't to have any alcoholic beverages, he wasn't to cut his hair, and he wasn't to touch anything dead. Those were the three big rules into how Samson was to be raised. And so we see that there's this powerful call upon Samson's life. And if you know anything about Samson, I believe in 2018, there's actually going to be a big motion picture that's going to be released about the life of Samson. But you'll see that when the Spirit of God came upon him, he was able to, to do incredible feats. He was able to, to slay over 3,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. Amazing feats when the Spirit of God came upon him. And so what we just read and what we just looked at, you see something spurred in his life. You see, Samson, he got married, he went off on a trip, and then he came back to find when he is excited to get back and, and take his wife on the honeymoon. Imagine you're in his place, and you see that his, his father-in-law had said, oh, I, I, I thought... I was getting different vibes that you didn't really love my daughter anymore, so I gave her to the man that was standing next to you in your wedding. And so what we see is in that moment, something shifted in Samson. We see that he says again that this time I will not be blamed. From what happens here on out to the Philistine people, their blood is not on my hands. So basically what he is saying, what 
the seed that happened in that moment that was deposited into Samson was a seed of anger, was a seed of bitterness, was a seed of offense that just began to, to overtake him. So we see a powerful vision in Samson's life. And I believe all of us have a powerful vision in our life, but there's moments of brokenness, there's moments of hurt, there's moments of bitterness that can get inside of us and create, and this is what I want you to hear, and write this down if you're taking notes. He went from a vision, and then he went to a division. The enemy brought a division into his life through what happened with this Philistine girl. And so what we begin to see, and what begins to happen in Samson's life, and I want you to write this down as well, and this is what you need to know for the vision of God in your life as you're pursuing him, is when God has a vision in your life, again, the enemy will always come and bring a die vision. What happened when he got the, the die vision in his life? Samson began to get a roaming eye. I was thinking about a roaming eye. And uh, what's kind of funny about a roaming eye, if you've ever seen maybe a group of teenagers and there's guys and girls in that group and they're talking and there's another group that walks by, and you might catch one of the guys in the group kind of leave the group and begin, his eye begins to roam. Now, if this guy is good with the roaming eye, he'll act like he has something in his eye and watch the group walk by. But we know there's really nothing good that comes with a roaming eye. And so if you look and you go and you read the story of Samson, you'll see he began to get a roaming eye. He was hurt. He was offended by his past marriage. It was something that he couldn't shake. Now, I want to pause right there. You might find yourself in 2018 that there's something in your life, maybe it's years ago, maybe it's something recent, that just gets at you still, that you just can't shake off, you can't move away from. That could be the very thing that's holding you back and blocking you from going after your vision, from going after the vision God has for you. And so we see this process begin to play out in Samson's heart and in his life. He gets a roaming eye. And this is what happens. And write this down. It's a painful experience broke his focus. A painful experience in your life can break your focus. Now, I was also thinking, when you experience a, a painful moment in your life, usually what we do, because we never want to get hurt again, something even as deep of... of a past marriage, and you give your heart to that person, you dream together, you have kids together, and then when the enemy can come in and break that off, there's a lot of hurt and healing that has to take place. But most people, and again, we're just using marriage as the example, they never go down that path of finding restoration and healing. So patterns begin to, to happen in, in, in that person's life. And then you begin to see uh, decisions that, man, I probably, sh I probably made that decision with that person. I didn't want to get close to that person because I never wanted what happened over here to happen to me again. So you see walls just flare up in your life and you don't even know that's there. And so we see Samson begin, and you can write this down as well. You see him begin to make present decisions off historical pain. Begin to, to think, okay, if I'm going to uh, marry again, or if I'm going to start this business again, or if I'm going to begin to pursue God again, I'm going to make sure there's safeguards where I never have to experience that brokenness again. Now, there's a healthy way of, of safeguarding yourself, and there's wisdom in that, 
But so many times we allow that broken experience to drive the rest of our life where we never feel we have to fall or experience regret. You know, something else that I think a generation has to be aware of, and I was thankful somebody told me as, as I was a teenager or just growing up or, or learning what it, it means to follow God, is the enemy will always give counterfeits. And what we need to know when we're making decisions in our life is there's always a high cost to low living. There's a high cost to low living. And if Sam, someone could have told Samson, hey, I know you're hurt, I know you're broken, and I know that you just gave an ultimatum that everything that happens to the Philistine people from here on out is not on your hands, that he was making a decision out of bitterness and out of offense. Now I pray as we're talking, again, I want to pause, where ask the Holy Spirit, what are areas in my life where I'm making decisions off of hurt and off of brokenness and off of pain in my life? And ask the Holy Spirit, come and bring a revision. Give him the draft and say, Holy Spirit, look this over, mark it up so that I can walk in faith-filled vision for my life. The enemy is after your broken focus. He wants to break it and he's after it and he's going to do whatever he can to break your focus. He wants to cause a division of your vision. So we have to look at what is Samson's weakness. And it's good for you to know what your weaknesses are. You know what your weaknesses are as much as your strengths? It's good to have that balance. I know what my weaknesses are. And when I know what my weaknesses are, I try to stay as far away from things that are going to pull me into temptation. I'm just because I'm here in front of you doesn't mean I have the same thoughts, I have the same struggles as you do. But it's all about gearing yourself up and making sure that you don't get near temptation. So Samson was given a mighty call of God, a Nazarite vow to protect his life for what God had called him to do. Many of the same way that there has been protection in God's word his presence. He's given us the church. He's given people around us to encourage us as we're walking toward God. You know, as I was preparing last night, I ended up finding an old journal that I had. And when I was in Bible school about eight years ago now, I was looking, I was just reading through it of some of the different experiences and things I would write down. It's funny, I was reading through it. There were some uh, things that I said, and I'll tell them myself, but um, I would be walking to class and a girl would catch my eye and I would remember just writing in here, God, maybe she's the one. And <laughs> she wasn't, thank God. <laughs> but I was reading and I had taken some of these notes here and I had just taped them on here for encouragement. And they were from my parents and I just want to read it to you because it's, it's awesome what they said, but through different times when I was there, they would send care packages and food and all these kind of things. One of them was, she says, Garrett, I heard there was fire ants, so we send you a container, a sealed container for your open food. That, that's a good mom right there, where they couldn't get into your snacks. So we love you and we miss you. And again, she said, stay focused and press past what you feel. That's good wisdom right there. So that was 8.13 of 10 of 8.17 of 2010. My mom and dad wrote me again, and, she, and they said, here's some food and some shirts. I guess I needed shirts at the time. Your retainer is in the, is in the secret container. I didn't get my container. 
But look what they said again. They said, stay strong and stay focused. Yeah. Take this year and receive everything that God has for you. You're in a great place physically and spiritually. Enjoy every day. And then they gave me some scripture. Read Psalms 119, 35 through 40. They remind me of you. And then again, just stay strong and be focused. That was the theme that I was seeing my parents send. I can remember getting a care package from Miss, Miss Mana full of some Skyline chili because you need Skyline chili when you're all the way out in Texas. But many of you were encouraging us, all of us college students, as we went out and tried to find what God had for our lives. But there's something powerful when you get the right crew because as we said in the beginning of our, our Haggai series, your crew determines your view. Samson had a bad crew around him, obviously, if his best man took his ex-wife in marriage. He had a bad crew. It's important who you have around your life that can encourage you to stay focused. Again, the enemy loves a broken focus, and he wants to break your focus in 2018. He wants to keep you out of the gym. He wants to keep you out of church. He wants to keep you distant from your family. He wants to break your focus and then give you a roaming eye to try to look for a remedy to fill what you feel your weakness is. And so they knew what Samson's weakness was, obviously was a Philistine girl. Now, Samson married outside of his tribe, which, again, was a command for him not to do, but he did it anyways. His parents warned him of this, but he did it anyways. And then you begin to see this, just the deterioration because of the division of the enemy that he brought into Samson's life. You go and you read the scripture, scriptures, it says that Samson's began to sleep with prostitutes, and he began to go after other Philistine women just to try to fill the needs that he had. And so the Philistine people saw this. They're like, oh, this is uh, the man of God that he's able to do amazing feats. Let's just sit back and watch him. And you have to know there's people, there's your spiritual enemy sit packs and watch you to try to find the cracks in your life. Because sin and temptation always comes in a tailor-made suit. It doesn't come with the devil in a pitchfork. And so they sat back and they watched his life and they began to study him to really try to bring temptation to really get him down. And so this is what the Philistines said. They said, let's raise up another Philistine woman to try to figure out the secret of his strength. The enemy wants to figure out the secret of your strength to get you to fall. And so we know this girl by the name of Delilah. And so they sent Delilah in with the sole purpose to figure out how can we destroy Samson? How can we destroy his calling? How can we take the anointing of God off of his life? And so I think if you go into the mind of Samson, when Delilah comes and he begins not just to lust after Delilah, but it says that he loved her. So he was smitten. He fell in love with Delilah. Again, Samson had a dangerously weak will. And so they, they, they set the scene up for Samson, and, and he takes the bait. You ever taken the bait of the enemy? It, it usually looks good and feels good at the time, but then you look down the road, and it usually becomes a, a regret when you take the bait of the enemy. But the dangerous attitude that Samson had, where I've been here, and we all fight this at some point of our life, but we begin to say that we can handle it. Samson began to say, I can handle this. I know this. I've been in a past relationship before. I've learned a couple things. I can handle it this time. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. If you know the story of Samson, that's a good place to laugh. 
what we see is Samson began playing with fire. You ever played with fire before? We have to understand, I wrote this down, it doesn't matter how old we are, how spiritual we think we are, how much we know. None of us are above temptation. That's why we have to stay close to the heart of God. We can never get so mighty that and we can never get so mighty. We have to know that there's things we just have to run from. One person I love in the Bible is is Joseph. And when you look at Joseph, you know the scene where He's serving Potiphar, and he's serving Potiphar's vision, and he's trusting God. Joseph been, had been to hell and back, and he, again, through all the, the, the highs and lows, Joseph chose to trust God for the vision of God on his life. And so one day, Joseph is walking down the hall of Potiphar's home, making sure everything is in place, making sure everything is good. And you know what happens is he hears a door open, and Potiphar's wife grabs Joseph and says, Get in here and come and sleep with me. Potiphar's away. No one will ever know. Come and sleep with me. And at that moment, Joseph could have said, well, Potiphar isn't here. Maybe I could get away with this. Or he, he could have said, you know what? This is a great ministry moment. Let's, let's try to witness to Delilah and maybe try to share, share the truth with her. But what did Joseph do? a man of great talent, a man of great anointing, a man of great calling. He fled, and it said when he fled, his, he ran so quick that his, she grabbed his coat and pulled it off of him. And so what I want to say out of that is we have to know that there's some things you don't reason with. There's some things you don't try to process. There's some things you just have to turn and run from. Because when we think we can handle sin, or we can handle temptation, or we can just dabble a little bit here, dabble a little bit there. There's always gateways into bigger sins. That's where we have to say, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to turn, and I'm going to run. And some of you need to hear that for 2018, for the vision of God on your life. You need to turn, and you need to run. Stop playing with it. That's a word for myself. It's good. We have to know, I listened to a powerful message, it, called, it was called The Hidden Cost of a High Calling. Now all of us are kings and priests in Jesus Christ, so there is a high calling upon our lives. But high calling just doesn't happen. There's always hidden cost in order for you to walk out in the vision of God. You don't get a degree with one paper you submit. You don't get a degree with one semester you attend. There is a grind that it takes to get a degree to say, I am qualified to step into wherever your degree is qualifying you for. It takes a cost, a back-end cost, to go after the calling of God. That was a huge test. The purity test is what it's known for Joseph, to see if he could handle that temptation. And he did. But what happened? Joseph was still, she made a big scene about it and had his coat, you know, because she had his coat and she said, Joseph had slept with me. And so he was falsely accused and still thrown in prison for doing the right thing. You have to know when you're in that place of going after God's calling, you can still get accused of doing the wrong thing. But that is the place where leaders are made. That is the place where character is made because you're trusting God to avenge you. You're trusting God that he's going to take care of you. It's a tough place to be, but that is where real character and integrity 
is formed and is forged. So we see back to Samson. I wish Samson could have been a little like Joseph. He thought he had everything under control. He kept saying, I can handle it. There was division in his life. And what we see is Delilah began nagging him day after day, the scripture says. Begin asking him, what is the secret to your power? Judges 16, 15, if you put it up on the screen, you could see it. Look what she says. She says, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You need to know what the people in your life is when you give your secrets to someone, you give them your heart. Now, this is a healthy place to make sure you have boundaries. Don't share your secrets with everyone because there's people who don't want to see you succeed. I've heard a good, rule, a good rule of thumb. There's a third of people in your life who love you. There's a third of people in your life who hate you. And there's a third of people in your life who just don't care. But don't share your secrets with everyone. Because when you share your secrets, you give them your heart. Samson began sharing secrets, began sharing the, the deep places of his heart with Delilah. And he began to see this was going to be the demise of him. Look at Judges 16, 16, so you can see it for yourself. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. The enemy, will, the enemy has no play clock. He will nag and nag and nag until you're sick of it, and then you, his hope is you'll give in to it. But we know we can fight it, that we have power to rise above the temptation. We have grace to empower our lives, to get a revision when we're in that season, to push back die vision and get back on our vision. So we see Samson had a powerful vision. He goes from die vision to roaming eyes. And what we see happen is then he goes to no vision. You know the story of when Samson had finally given up his secrets, that the, the power that made him do incredible feats was in his hair. Delilah, it says that she soothed him to sleep on her lap. And when she soothed Samson to sleep, the Philistine men were waiting to come in and put him in handcuffs, shackle him up after she cut his hair when he was put to sleep. And so we see that. Can you imagine the moment when Samson probably felt, wow, I, I can trust her. She's not going to tell anybody. She would never do that. She loves me. You can fall in love with the wrong person. We see that through Samson. And so we see the men come up, take him away. The scripture says that they plucked his eyes out. He literally went physically to no vision. And it says that they shackled him to uh, where all the farm animals was, and he would just begin to walk in a circle and, and grind and do whatever they needed. And, and they would bring him out to their coliseum and they would make sport of him or he would be their, their nightly entertainment. Saying, look at what we've done to someone who did so much to us. Now we are in control and we have the power. We've taken his vision. I want to pause there again too. You might feel you've went through a season where the enemy has taken your vision. There might be a time in your life where you didn't serve God your entire life. And your vision wasn't Christ-centered. And the enemy was, had taken your vision. What we're about to see is when vision can meet the cross. Because it wasn't over. His, 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 he, again, he went from vision to die vision to no vision. But that wasn't the end game. We'll see that in a second. Got to leave you hanging there for a minute. 
your spiritual enemy, Satan, he wants you to fall in love with what you can't handle. That's his goal. James 1.15 says this. This is how you need to know how sin works in our lives. Is the de- these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, we allow sin to grow. That's on our, our plate. It gives birth to death. So this is the process of sin when it goes untouched and unconfronted in our lives. So what we see is he goes again from a powerful vision to die vision to no vision. And then he begins to envision again. You see that in scripture that uh, a boy takes Samson out, that they want to bring him out again to entertain them. And so a young boy leads him out. And I can tell you that for months as Samson was walking that same circle with all the farm animals, grinding and, and doing whatever they had him do, he began to think, this isn't what God had for my life. This isn't God's best. I, I've really screwed up, and God, I repent, and I am sorry. I can tell you, as he was making the circle, he was repenting, and he was saying, asking God for forgiveness and strength, and he began to envision back when he was with his parents, and he was being raised, and going back to a place of where he felt the presence and peace of God. Do you ever do that when you feel far from God, and you feel just so out of it, or desolate, or nothing's working or clicking? You just go back to the place of when you felt you were with God. I can tell you Samson went back to that place. And scripture says that he, be, he told the boy, take me and put me in between the pillars where I can fill them. He said, let me, let me fill the pillars. And so Samson was working up something in his mind. And you see right before he says that to the boy, you can go and read it. As he, he repents to God and he says, God, use me one more time for your glory. And so the boy takes him up and and puts his hands on the pillars. And you know what happens. It was full of, I believe, over 3,000 Philistine men, the most men that Samson would kill. And when he prays and repents, you can go and you read it. It's awesome. He pulls the pillars down and all the Philistine men were destroyed. And God had used him. He began to envision it. And that's what I want you to really take away with. Wherever you find yourself in 2018, don't say this time next year. You need to envision yourself if you're uh, not, don't have healing in your life or there's physical parts of your body that are in pain. You need to envision yourself healed. It starts in faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. You need to envision your family set free of drugs and alcohol. You need to envision your finances where God wants them to be. You need to envision your marriage blessed and working. You need to envision your children serving God. It all starts in faith. And if you don't have faith, it doesn't work. It's impossible to please God, the scripture says. So four times, I want to leave you with this. Is Delilah asked him, what is the secret to your power? Now, I was thinking about that if he was asking what is the secret to his, to his power over and over again. Now, it's, it's amazing when you go and you study this because when we picture Samson, we picture him all muscled up, all buff, all ripped, right? That's a picture of Samson we usually all have in our heads. But if you go and you look and you really study it, it really says that there's nothing pleasing about his appearance or there was nothing really about his appearance that said anyone that 
that explain why he was able to do what he could do. And if she had to ask him four times, obviously she wasn't seeing this jacked man. His physical appearance did not connect with what he was able to do, is what I'm trying to say. But what we know is the secret to Samson's strength, and what you need to know is the secret to your strength, is when the Spirit of God came upon him, that's when he was able to do the incredible things he could do. And the same is for you. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, that's where anointing comes. That's where his blessing and protection and healing is found. Samson envisioned once again, that's what the power of the cross is. You take your broken vision, you take the broken pieces of your life, and you lay it before the foot of the cross, and he'll begin to give you that vision back again. And that's what he did with Samson, and that's what he can do with you. And you have to know the secret to your strength is when you allow the Spirit of God to come upon your life. We love this scripture. Paul puts it like this in Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do all things through who? Through Christ who strengthens me. Christ is your strength in 2018. Allow the Spirit of God to come upon you. And so again, there's something powerful about the anointing of God. And my heart is, is that you would forsake everything else and go after the anointing of God for your family, for every area of your life. Because the anointing of God, how it works, is when someone looks at you, they see what you're doing, and they just scratch their head and they just don't get it how it's happening. There's something powerful when anointing touches your life as it did Samson. He was able to do things that other men couldn't do. God wants his anointing for your life. I love this quote. I don't know who said it, but it's good. It says, if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. If you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. You got to envision it. I can remember as, as I was just going back, writing things in here. Eight years ago, as an 18-year-old kid, I began writing things of God, whatever you want to do in, in my life, your will be done. I began writing, I said, I could see myself preaching one day, or I could see myself leading, and it was all based of, I just want to love people, I want to love God, and I want to love people, whatever that looks like, that's what I want for my life, I began envisioning it, you got to envision, it's time to dream again, shake off the dust, get up, shake it off, shake the offense off, don't be like Samson, and allow a past hurt to break your focus, and take your vision, to die vision, to no vision. You don't have to walk that way, but if you do, because we all experience seasons of that, we can go to the cross, and we can get a revision, and then we can begin to envision what God wants to do. I want to leave you with this. Habakkuk 2.3 says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, somebody say, wait for it. Don't get impatient. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. When you follow God, when you trust him, when you allow his power to strengthen you, it's not in your might, it's not in your power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. You can do the invis- if you can dream the invisible, you can do the impossible. So many times you can ask Bree, nerves will hit me. 
I don't, I don't know what I'm going to say when I get up there. This seems impossible every Sunday. But I trust the anointing of God where you should entrust the anointing of God in your life to do what he's called you to do. You have to step into it and you have to trust it and allow it to fuel your life. So I want you to stand. I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for God's vision for your life. I want to pray for clarity. If you bow your head, close your eyes. Father, we thank you that you're so good to us that when we've messed up, when we've made poor choices in our life, God, we can come to the foot of the cross and repent and we can ask for mercy. And your grace comes upon us and renews us where we can begin to envision your calling and your purpose on our lives. God, I thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I pray for each and every one here in 2018 as they're faced with choices, as they're faced with decisions, from family to finances, from relationships to careers, whatever it looks like, that your Holy Spirit would come and strengthen them. God, that you would remove the static in their life where they can hear from heaven. We thank you that there is that cloud upon Gathering Place Church right now. And we receive the reign of heaven for 2018. We consider our ways. We're going to do what you call us to do. We're not going to allow past experiences to limit us and to keep us bound. But God, we're going to trust you that you have a vision for our life. Without vision, we perish. So God, I pray right now that you would deposit vision into each and every soul that's here this morning. God, we repent of any areas of our life where we need revision. We give you that place. So Father, I thank you that as we've refocused on this fast, that we're going to see your power move in our lives. We're going to see the anointing of God where people are just going to look. We were one way in 17, but they're just going to scratch our heads and they're just not going to get it. But we're going to know that it's been the power and the strength of God because the spirit of the Lord has come upon us because we've given him a temple. So Father, we love you this morning and we thank you for meeting us here. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. You can be seated.